How are we folks? Welcome, we are live. This is officially the first of our 2019 UNITV. Uh, so we're thrilled, very excited, and it's of course the first one that we're doing in our brand new studio. You may have caught a few of the test runs yesterday. It was, uh, it was a bit messy, but um, we're rolling and we've got an epic uh, guest today and a great friend of mine. Mr. Benjamin Popolsky, um, and we're here, we're gonna be talking about mindset because that's something that I know he is absolutely amazing with, and also really just some of his, his, his recent experiences. He just uh, went through his paces with a workout with Rad, who I've also got here joining us live. Um, how did that go? Humbling, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, amazing, right? I know, I know that I need it, which is why I was so eager to come and work with you guys. and. Uh, it's definitely something that's I've made a bigger piece of my life. Uh, you know, every every athlete, or at least every bodybuilder, at some point experiences pain, whether that be physical or mental, uh, and oftentimes it's to do with your inability to to move through the range that you need to be able to control and access for what you're trying to accomplish. So if you're you know, sitting out there trying to um, build a body or, or ultimately be able to move and, and live a healthy, vigorous, rigorous life, movement is a huge part of that. So. Very grateful to have uh, Rad put me through the paces. Yeah, yeah awesome. awesome. Yeah, it was good, man. You did. Uh, I mean, my um, my uh, sort of idea of a bodybuilder is someone that's just really stiff and that can't move that well at all. And you surprised me, man. You uh, you got some good flexibility. You there. know, when I used to be much better when I was competitive, I think I was better because it was a daily like yeah. practice, right? And I made sure that I had control. My thing is not just mobility; it's control of those ranges, right? I don't want to be able to go somewhere that I can't control. So yeah. I was very conscious of like. How do you mobilize and then stabilize and then strengthen? You know this natural progression. So yeah, that was the, this was the big reason, the, the the big thing element of your co coaching that captivated me when we first met during yeah. your muscle camp was that I'd ne I'd I had a lot of mates who called themselves bodybuilders, but most of them were very dysfunctional in the way that they moved. <laughs> and sure. and when I watched you moving in that um in, in even just demonstrating the full range of movement of the biceps and things like that i was like shit man this dude really knows what he's on about and uh and you could take your body there sure with, with, there was the bodybuilding no itself is dysfunctional right like that yeah. that's what it is i mean ultimately you're, you're trying to train an aesthetic not a function but rather than i had a great conversation just a few minutes ago about how these things could and should be a natural marriage. It should be a natural integration, yet nobody's doing it. And I think there'd be a beautiful marriage between what I do and what you guys do. Because ultimately, just because I'm muscle, muscular, muscle bound, doesn't mean I have to be that way. It doesn't mean that's part of you know what it should be. It's like, well, no, if I train this and this at the same time, like you should be able to maintain massive amounts of stability and mobility with hypertrophy. Yeah. You know, is there a point of diminishing returns? I don't know. Nobody's ever tested it, right? But there's certainly bodybuilders out there who are very mobile. At some point, tissue gets in the way of certain ranges. But for the most part, like every range that you have access to, you should have control of. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I've seen some bodybuilders that uh, make me look tight. I've seen dudes that are real flexible. Oh, yeah. What is the yeah. guy that used to go up and do the big routine and do the splits and oh, stuff like that? Half the guys could do the splits now. Yeah, but that, that's really? one range, right? Yeah, that's yeah, That's not yeah, yeah. like you guys talk about. Like, that's the, the idea of like, hey, I'm going to stretch my hamstring in this plane and this plane, but not yeah. circular plane, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's the difference. The integration of being able to control all those ranges is very important. To, and that's something that I teach in my warm-up. It's like, I'm not trying to get you, like, the idea of a dynamic warm-up to me is, is ridiculous. Like, swinging your hip or something like that. Like, people were doing that for a long time. I'm like, that, for me, doesn't prepare you for anything. That just swinging your leg. What we're after is, like, how do I gain control of all these ranges? Which is, like, go there, stay there. Now, go a little further, stay there. Go, you know, so accessing all those, you know, 180 degrees of, or whatever, 120 degrees of hip, hip uh, rotation. Yep. yep. Did yep. you like that uh, warm-up that we did out there before it's the great. session? great great i loved it actually yeah. and i know you guys make that available to some people and that's the first thing i said is like where do i get this how do i make sure that i like for me time is of the essence like of you guys so if i had 20 minute a 20 to 30 minute routine that i could do first thing in the morning after my meditation or a 20 to 30 minute routine i could do before i train mm -hmm. that not only improved uh, scapular and hip mobility but improves stability mm -hmm. i win right like yeah. I'm, I'm people don't really like as you get older and you guys are my age so 
you know, 35 plus, I think, things just start to get a little tight. Yeah, and I yeah, still yeah. feel good, but just a little tight. Like yeah. It takes a little longer to warm up. If I had that consistent daily routine that just locked in, like, oh, now my emotions feel better. I don't feel those aches and pains and bumps and bruises that are kind of characteristic of aging. Yeah. I thought you were younger than me, but I couldn't see in the light before. Now I can see the little right. grays in your Right, there you head, go. So no, there's no grays there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that's um, why I've just taken mine off. Yeah. It was well, like... The good thing is, Ben, is that the routine that I taught you, the way that we teach it online, it's actually only 15 minutes. So you can get uh, it done. You get that whole thing done in 15 minutes. You set a timer for three more rounds. It's beautiful. And I was definitely throwing some questions out there just to slow you down. Yeah, yeah. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> if I could actually did 15 minutes of work in a row, I'd be great, right? More than adequate, I think. Um, I mean, if anyone hasn't checked out your stuff, obviously, if they're watching a YouTube channel, they have. But they haven't, like, go. Because, mm. it, like, it, it, uh, I don't know, perfect warm-up for everybody, but pretty damn close. Well, I used to do... Well, yeah, I mean, look, when I see something that's better, we change what we do. Right. Um, so we're always evolving with what we do. Um, and I used to do... My personal warm-ups used to take about 40 minutes. And then we were doing warm-ups in the class that went for about 20 minutes or so. And I'm reading a book at the moment called Overcoming Gravity, which is just reminding me of a whole bunch of things. And um, the author, I can't remember his name, but it's all about body weight training and stuff. And this guy's a, a, a highly achieved gymnastics coach. Um, and he talks about warm-ups shouldn't be more than about 12 or 13 minutes. So we try and keep our right. warm-up down now to uh, 12 minutes. Um, and, and, yeah, and why is that? Because we want to get explain that to the it's, audience. Because it's not the it's not the purpose of the workout. Yeah. I just realised microphone's in the wrong spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also didn't turn the top lights on, but that's uh, all right. Yeah, Does it look all right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We're yeah. getting used to all this stuff, aren't we? Um, we've we got a green door in the background folks it's like this is like literally hot off the press this yeah. place we finished building yesterday <laughs> <laughs> well the reason the reason why um is that the purpose of the workout isn't the warm-up yeah the, sure. purpose, the purpose of the workout, the workout is the workout and the purpose of the warm-up is just to prepare you for the warm-up right. so yeah. if a warm-up goes for too long it can have a negative effect because it can it can start to fatigue, fatigue. you a little bit and you want to finish that warm-up um, you want full blood circulation to your muscles, you want vasodilation, you want synovial fluid um, you know, in the joints, you want everything, you want the, nervous, the central nervous system's ability to, to um, activate the muscles um, you know, really quickly. He talks about how um, you know, an increased heart rate increases cross-bridge coupling time. So you know, the actin and myosin, the cross-bridge coupling happens quicker, which creates quicker muscle contractions. But then if you go too far, you start to get fatigue and then you try and do your first set and you can't lift as much weight as you could. So One of the things you talked about during our workout ride was that I think is important for the, for the audience to know is the two kind of hubs for strength and stability or, or maybe the tests are grip strength and core stability and, and, and strength, right? So I think those need to be a big part of people's warm-up and I, I write those into my warm-up is like how do I and I love the stuff that you did with like the wrist uh, activation and strengthening this because like especially with what I do if I'm trying to maintain output at my limbs I need this mm -hmm. to be unbendable I need this to be unbendable and ultimately yeah. this to have great mobility and stability mm -hmm. so that's one thing that people miss is if they're trying to get output here well I need to have this thing strong if it's flaccid and weak yeah. you can't have output by deductive yeah. reasoning and same with this like you know your trunk and core is the foundation of all output mm -hmm. if this thing isn't moving and stable so mobility and stability mm -hmm you can't have maximum output. And I think yeah. those are the two things that people miss in, mm. in the warm-up. They don't have a thought process. You know, objectively, I want to prepare my body for what I'm about to do as, as specifically as possible. And then, you know, also, I want to make sure my trunk and my, my grip or wrists are, are really primed. Yeah, uh, it's awesome to hear you say that because I love, I mean, you know, we create this stuff and we believe it, but it's really good to hear someone um, with your kind of experience. Right, um, so one, one of the questions I had for you, and I'd love for you to dig into, man, it's like you mentioned your influence from Ido Portal, and I'd love yeah. to hear yeah. like how you've evolved his thought process or what you've learned from him and how you've evolved it into make it your own. Yeah, man. Cal, can you just put a timer on just so I know not to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this could go for a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm, Dude, I'm a huge fan of the guy and yeah. like, I think he's amazing, and yeah. like I see myself going that way. But obviously, at 275, 125 kilos, like yeah. it's going to be a while before I really get there. But mm -hmm. I really see myself going down that path of like oh, integrating right. strength and mobility. I don't know that I'll ever be Ido. Ido is yeah. Ido, right? But how do you integrate? Uh, no one will ever be Ido, but no one will ever be Ben Pukulski. Right, right. And I've seen this. I mean, I've watched everything on the guy because I just fell in love with his methods and what he does when I trained with him. Um, and there's a really cool little one and a half minute video uh, on YouTube where he talks about 
the secret to longevity and he talks about your individual nature and that we've all got these experiences that create us as being us and one of the biggest problems that so many people have is that they're constantly comparing themselves to other people sure and I mean I was guilty of that when I was younger and I'm sure in the bodybuilding community you've had that yourself yep. and um, I used to look at myself and think, oh man you know why can't I make my body look like this and one day you have to just come to this point where you realize, well, I'm me and they're them and I will never, ever, ever look or be able to do what that person can do because they move just completely differently. You know, it's, it's really amazing. Um, so my experience started, I was, uh, my background is in martial arts. So I'm 40 now. I started, I, I mean, I did martial arts when I was a kid. Yanni and I both did, but I wouldn't accredit it towards who I am now. I'd, I'd say I started martial arts when I was 17. That's when I really sort of said, okay, I'm going to do this. I did that uh, probably until I was 30 and I joined the army, um, got out when I was 34 and then I came back and became a personal trainer again with Yanni and we were working towards opening Unity Gym. And for the first time I thought, well, I better start learning about weightlifting and stuff. If I'm going to be a personal trainer, you know, I'm going to have to do it. And so I started training with Yanni and for a year we did, um, he taught me about bodybuilding and strength training. The, the little bit that I knew. <laughs> he passed on to me what he learned from you and we did that for about a year and I um, um, just by eating well and having protein and creatine and um, BCAAs, I got from I think 84 to 90 kilos in a year. Um, but it wasn't really for me, it wasn't, I wasn't passionate about it and I never really gave myself to it. And I started trying to play around with a little bit of gymnastics and stuff and just, just wanting to learn about it, trying something new. And I did it for about three months. And then Yanni goes, oh, I bought this workshop with this guy, Ido Portal. You should probably go to it if you want to do gymnastics. And I knew nothing about it. I'd never even heard of the name before. So I went there and he, and he went around the room and got us all to say why we're here and what our background was. And I said, oh, I've just started learning gymnastics. I've got a martial arts background, so I'm here to learn more about gymnastics. And he looked at me and shook his head and said, this isn't gymnastics, bro. That's <laughs> really funny. Um, so anyway, I did the movement workshop with him. And um, it was like nothing I'd ever done, man. Like we did these, um, he taught us spinal waves, you know, like that stuff that I was teaching you in the warm-up where you're learning. And I, man, I just couldn't do it. He got us to do these things where you have to, like I can do it now, where you have to move your neck like this. And I was going... I just couldn't move it. I, I just couldn't get it. No you know? neural connection. There was yeah. just no ability. Like I was like struggling to even get a centimeter. And you know, years later, I've got uh, not compared to a dancer, but I've got great movement compared to the average person. And um, what really, I said this to you in our workout. What really blew my mind was. I was not better at anything than these guys in this room. And I wasn't used to that. I was used to going to workshops and I could always fall back on, ah, oh, I could jump better than these people or I can, I'm more flexible or, or whatever. But these guys were just better than me at everything. And it was really amazing for me. It was really eye-opening. And the big message that, he, that I took from that was, I walked in there a martial artist. No, I walked in there an ex-martial artist and a current gymnast. I was. I was doing gymnastics and that's what I was doing because I was taught through martial arts. Um, you know, you have to train for five hours a day if you want to get good and I could barely find three hours. So I would reject everything else. If there was something that I would have benefited from that Yanni could teach me, I rejected it because it wasn't part of my martial arts training and I didn't have the time for it. And Ido talked about the idea of dogma and of one of the hardest things that you'll ever do as a practitioner. He calls people practitioners. You're a, you, you're a bodybuilder, but you're a practitioner of, of you know, being a bodybuilder or you're a dancer, whatever it is. And he spoke about this idea of freeing yourself from the dogma of your practice. So the dogma being other people's beliefs. So the dogma in Kung Fu is you don't do boxing and you don't do jiu-jitsu because kung fu is a traditional martial art and it's better because of x y and z um, and you certainly don't do gymnastics or whatever because that takes you away from your practice and i walked out of there going no i don't need to be a gymnast i can just be a mover so i actually i can actually still practice a little bit of my martial arts and a little bit of what i've learned from gymnastics and a little bit of what i've learned from weightlifting from yanni and i can do that and that's okay and that was really weird it was a liberating experience for me i was like wow i don't have to be one of these things you know so how much uh back to your question how much influence what we do now um everything it made me came back and question everything that I did and I spoke to Yanni at the time we were running programs we were either running fat loss strength or hypertrophy programs and it was one what do you want to do which goal do you have this is the program that we're going to do and we wrote 
personalised programs for people, but you came under one of those three categories. We pigeonholed people. You, know, you, know, pigeonholed. you either that, wanted to lose that, fat, that. you either were here to lose weight, build strength or, or build muscle. Um, and I spoke to Yanni and I just, I, I didn't know the answer, but all I knew was I just had this strong feeling in my heart that what we were doing wasn't right. And then we went over, um, we decided to go and train with a good friend of ours um, who I went to school with, Aaron McKenzie. Check him out after this, he's unbelievable. He's just over at Bondi. Um, and he, um, he's been doing this kind of stuff. He opened his gym five years before us and he became a personal trainer five years before us. So he was just a little bit ahead of us in his career. And we went over with him and he took us through a warm up that was similar to what I took you through. Different, he's got his own way of doing things. Um, but he took us through this 15 minute all over body warm up and then we did strength training. And we'd never done that before. We'd never, like normally stretching is this kind of thing where we used to tell our clients, look, you should do a little bit of stretching before your workout, but there's no emphasis placed on it in the hour that we're training people. So if you don't place emphasis on it, the client doesn't place emphasis on it and they just never do it. And we came back going, well, maybe we could come up with some kind of warm-up that we do for 15 minutes that everybody does in the class. And that was the birth of it. Again, back to what you said about how much of Edo has influenced this. He, what he does is, in my experience, he does movement. And some of the stuff that he does is so radical and different to anything that anybody else is doing that if we try to teach it, um, I think... So that extreme are, level that we uh, spoke sure. about. You know, you've got, you've got mainstream... You've got unique or innovative, and then you've got extreme on the outside. And there's an extreme in that direction and an extreme in that direction. There would be an extreme mainstream, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, right. I only do something if there's 10 years of scientific literature about it, and, you know, uh, if it's not been peer-reviewed by a thousand different people that are, that are you know, in good journals, that that's like extreme that way. And then there's Edo extreme, you know, like that's sort of, yeah. I, I, there's, a, there's a lot of people like that, but yeah. Yeah, it, well, it, I mean, it's, it's like some of the stuff that we didn't do that I've learned from Edo is all the crawling and moving along, along the ground and even different ways of hanging like brachiation where you're swinging around on the bars and it's got nothing to do with pulling. Um, it's just swinging and hanging and rotating around. And I mean, that's just one tiny element. Like the depth that he goes into this stuff is on another level, man. Like beyond my understanding of it yet because he's been researching it and been obsessed with it for a lifetime. Um, but we drew back a little bit from that because what we identified the majority of what people need and even ourselves is strength and mobility. Those are the, like when I was trying to do all these moves that I was watching Edo and his students do and I would try for six months and I would get better at it and I could do it and I could post a cool YouTube video. But what it came back to, the reason why I wasn't getting better is strength and mobility, just a combination of the two. So we stripped our program back and we made it more about straight up raw strength and raw mobility with a goal that when people get strong enough and mobile enough, we start teaching them higher movement skills. So we try to leave no stone unturned. We create mobility in every joint. I mean, what we did today was just upper body and spine mobility. So we do spine every day. Doesn't matter if it's upper or lower body because you know the spine is the backbone of your body, of course. Uh, and then when no, we do it no all- No pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> when we do a lower body workout, we do lower body mobility before the workout. Uh, and then the goal is that when people get strong enough and when people get flexible enough, um, we move into some of the cooler, more out there stuff that I learned from Edo. Very cool. Yeah, so I hope that. I hope that was the short answer, that too, was, folks. That actually was the real short answer. That's yeah. great, though. Yeah. But yeah. that's the thing. Like, when, Admittedly, when he came back, like I had a very. The majority of my training like if i could say who had the biggest influence on me was was the late charles poliquin and um a friend of ours tony Bataji, who originally brought charles out and and charles had had a huge influence on tony tony was sort of my mentor and trainer for a while um so i was quite um like you know um you you you, you know charles quite well or you yeah. knew charles quite well so you you would know his style of sort of training and coaching and it's very methodical very strength and conditioning, conditioning oriented. Yeah. So, you know, when Rad came back with all these crazy um, concepts from Edo Portal, uh, initially I resisted a lot of it. You know, I was like, no way, man, we cannot get people doing that. We can't get people crawling on the floor. We can't, like, people are just going to go, what the fuck is going on here? 
And so there and a lot of people did. And a lot of people did, <laughs> you know, yeah. But because our clientele was used to the way I'd been structuring our programming, up until that point, I'd designed most, most of the programs, you know. And uh, we'd also just sent Richard. He, Richard came out of the army. Uh, guys, Richard's behind producing the show, just in case you're uh, un unaware of who I'm pointing to over there. Uh, he just came out of the military after serving overseas and I put him through all of these internships to, to, to really up level up his strength and conditioning knowledge. <laughs> and then we had him doing, uh, doing Edo Portal stuff, so the two of us were, were initially rejecting it. But we found a real sweet spot where it was, there were a lot of elements of his coaching that we really, first of all, his ethos we resonated with a lot, you know, the whole, the, the, the concept of movement and that's really what sparked something for Rad and I because we always knew that, you know, yeah, there's always an element of your training that's very aesthetically driven sure. and that's human nature, you can't really fight that, um, but I, I questioned, I, I suffered a little bit of um, um, uh, emotional sort of up and down with depression and I found that when I was chasing that body image goal it really started to affect my psychology because I was comparing myself to you dudes. can't you can never get to where you're happy that's right? exactly right I was, I was you one know. of the top 10 in the world and you're still not happy yeah so yeah, you're yeah. Chasing a that, moving, moving target. that's exactly yeah. right you know and uh, and I started to think shit you know like I've got to do it different and I also started to find that I was becoming less and less motivated um, to train like that and we spoke about this the other day we got families now and we're um, you know practically married and all that sort of thing and 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 I was like well, I gotta I gotta find something else to get me out of bed in the morning and hit the gym you know and, and keep moving I'll say one last thing to wrap up uh, unless you've got any more questions about this but the idea of how much the veto influences the split that I told you about bent arm lower body straight arm I, I learned that from Edo I'd never heard of that before since learning it from Edo I've seen it in other places like in the uh, the body, the uh, overcoming gravity book that I'm reading. It's um, he talks about that's one of the possible splits that he talks about in there. But I hadn't heard about that before. Um, so yeah, that's that's a, a big thing. That yeah, I, I think speaking to what you said, Yanni, that a lot of people live men. I don't know, I can't speak for women, but live that reality of you hit like you know you train through your twenties. It's usually an aesthetic goal, and you, at some point in your thirties, maybe it's later, maybe it's earlier, you have some awareness of like. I don't really want to get bigger anymore. I yep. just want to be, you know, in my framing of it, like what my objective is for my life, and I frame my podcast around this, is brilliant mind, resilient body. And, you know, resilient to me means like being able to move the way I want, run when I want, jump when I want, lift, you know, all, all this integration of, of resilience, whatever that means to you. Yep. And, you know, ultimately keeping yourself not just like resistant to disease and illness, like, no, I want to be optimized. You know, I, I kind of envision it like like a pyramid. Most people live at the bottom of the pyramid. I want to be at the top of the pyramid. You know, most people are kind of suboptimal. We want to first bring them to like baseline. Yeah. And then once you've reached baseline, now let's try to start pushing performance, or so let's let's start optimizing a little bit. Yeah. And then once you've optimized, then and only then can you push performance, right? Because yep. you can't push performance at a level of baseline. You have to push above baseline, optimize the body, and then aesthetic changes come then performance improvements come right yeah so i yep. kind of envision it like this pyramid yeah so uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. yeah and i want to live at the top of the pyramid you know ultimately i want to be able to do all of these things and i'm not there yet because i'm so recently removed from professional bodybuilding that may be an excuse but um like moving toward yes i want to be able to do a workout with rad and edo yes i want to be able to do a 600 purse call it a 300 kilo deadlift you know like yeah um that kind of stuff like how do i create that body and ultimately yeah. It's really just building, um, you know, an army special forces kind of kind of mentality, right? Yeah. It's not that extreme, maybe, but I'm like, I want to be able to do all those things and you know, always be prepared for whatever yeah. is thrown. And, and for me, it's not being prepared for battle; it's being prepared for adventure. Yeah, where like I want my life to be an adventure. I want to be able to climb a mountain on demand. I want to be able to, you know, to jump out of an airplane. I want to be able to do some scuba, like whatever, right? Whatever comes at you, like I want to be yep. able to do it. Maybe it'll be martial arts, whatever it is, you know. Have you? That's can I? Can I dive deeper into that mindset sure. because that's something that I wanted to um, talk about. I promised the audience a little bit of um, a bit of mindset stuff. And considering that you made it to the top ten in your field in the world, you certainly achieved a higher level of success that most people do. Um, is that something you've always had since being a kid? the, the, the no, mindset yeah. so or how funny. did you cultivate that? Yeah, um, so I grew up in, in maybe the polar opposite family, right? So every, no one in my family's ever graduated high school. Yeah. Um, so, you know, alcoholics, overweight, like you name it, right? And I remember being, 
as young as like six or seven years old and looking at my family and going, this is not what I want. Because you see the other families and you go, why are they smiling? Yeah. Why are they driving a nice car? Why are they happy? Yeah. Uh, and so I, lo- like, I remember the awareness at that young of age and, and I just something clicked for me. And I really didn't start taking action on it until I was maybe 13 or 14 where I started being active and, and getting fit. And um, to be honest, the reason that I took that attitude was because I really felt like I was a lazy person. Like when I was a kid through my teenage years, I was fucking lazy. Like everyone else was doing things I just didn't want to do. It was very hard for me to pull myself out of the chair or pull myself out of the, you know, the couch or whatever it yep. is because I was so unhealthy. I, I believe looking back at it, I was so unhealthy as a kid. Like I ate like shit and a lot yep. of people do, but like I had no vitality. I had no energy. I didn't get outside. We didn't take vacations to the beach. I didn't go out on a boat. Like. I lived inside, I played fucking video games, and, and I watched television. Like, that was my reality as a childhood, but that's all I had around me. So once I started, you know, 12 or 13, to realize that I didn't have to live that world. So really, from the time I was seven years old, I was a lone wolf, right? Like, I had, I just did what I wanted. Like, I was literally in a city like Sydney, which is Toronto, riding the subway, taking the bus. Like, you know, I got my bus pass, and I'm, I'm off, right? Um, so I was very much like a lone wolf doing my thing. Uh, and that really gave me the independence to realize, like, hey, if, if something's going to change in your life, it's going to be you. And that's the blessing and curse of life, right? At the time, I resented my mom for going, hey, mom, you know, c- could you take me here? No. Like, you know, that kind of shit. You're like, what the fuck? Like, why won't she help me? But re- looking back on it, you're like, oh, that's the greatest gift she ever gave me was the idea of, like, you want something done. There's your feet. There's your shoes. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Uh, so that maybe that's where that came from. Um, yeah, really, the idea and and my my um, framing as far as becoming a professional bodybuilder, I'm like, I don't know that I can ever be Mr. Olympia, although I believed I could be. But I do know that I can have everyone that I've ever trained with say I was the hardest working bodybuilder they ever worked with. And that's what I wanted. Like, So I literally remember moving to Gold's Gym in Venice, standing outside, taking a deep breath, and, and realizing, like, holy shit, you're here, you're about to go train. And I said, the second I walk through that door, I want everyone to know me as the hardest training bodybuilder because I knew I was lazy. Like I still believed I was a lazy person. So I was like, I never want that to happen. And any time there was like, you know, something happening in the gym, I was like, I have to go and go and go. Like, I'm gonna break you before you break me mentality. Not saying that's healthy or right, but that's just how I worked. And looking back on it, being competitive with other people helped, but it's not healthy, right? And that's why I was able to transcend this proverbial mountain of, of professional bodybuilding and make it all the way to the top and feel completely unfulfilled, feel completely inadequate being there. You know, I was of the biggest in the world, absolutely shredded and felt my most insecure and and most inadequate sometimes because I didn't see the daily value of, you know, what I teach now is working out is your daily battleground for becoming a better human being. Like, don't go in the gym because I have to. Go in the gym because I get to, and I get to become a better person today. Like every single set, every single rep, every single breath is an opportunity for you to become better. Yep. And that's the framing now, right? And as soon as you make that framing in your life, things change for you. That, that changed for me when I had my son in 2012. I started maybe a little earlier than that. I started make, having this awareness of like, it was probably say 2010, I uh, had this awareness of it's not just about working hard because you can get really, really big and still feel really, really shitty. Uh, and it's not about that, you know, it's about feeling amazing. It's about creating that joy inside you, that achievement inside you, and then living into that, right? Creating that in your life because that's the person you are. Yep. That's how I've been able to, you know, shift away from that that ultimate kid who needed bodybuilding because I was full of fear and inadequacy and just didn't feel like I was capable of those things. You know, I used bodybuilding as a, a mechanism to allow me to transcend that, but. Um, I, now I, I do it because I love it. I go to the gym because it makes me feel great. It makes me feel like I've accomplished something. I challenge myself, like, what am I bad at? Let's go. Yeah. Like, why am I here today? Because I suck at this. Mm-hmm. Am I insecure? Absolutely. Do I feel like I need, I need to do it? Absolutely, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the framing that a lot of people maybe need to take, is like when they that's find right. something they're bad at, they walk the other way. For me, when I see something I'm bad at, I'm like, put a smile on your face and go. Mm-hmm. Because that's how you make change, you know? And it seems like Ito did the same thing. He's like, okay, I'm good at one or two things, but what are all the other things that I can add to this tool belt to make me amazing at a lot of, or maybe one particular thing? He goes even further, man. He he says this, like before you even master something, before you get to that point of mastery, stop it and start something new. Because he talks about the biggest opportunity for growth, which I, Yanni and I and Richard absolutely agree with, is 
being doing the things that you can't do at all. Completely. Because when you think about it, like I mean, if that if that bottle represented all the skill that you could ever achieve in hand dancing, and maybe maybe like down here is being able to do a handstand, and up here is like a one-armed handstand, and then up here is all the amazing one-armed handstand positions, like the the time that it takes to get to that point there is probably half the time that it takes to get from there to there right you know but what's the point of working so hard at something to get such a small return on it and i'm, I'm reciting ito's words here he talks about the um the idea of uh taking on which we talk about a lot here as well um shoshin the the beginner's mindset it's a japanese word um which refers to being the beginner and always just accepting that you're the, that you're the beginner. Just yeah. embracing the beginner's mindset even when you have reached a certain level of mastery in something so that you're always looking for a new opportunity for growth. That's yeah. the concept. It's an interesting thought there, right? So I know a lot of professional athletes. I train with a lot of professional athletes. I work with a lot of them. And um, they're such masters at one thing that if someone takes that away from them, they're all fucked. That's right. And it happens so often. Like these guys are like, oh, I'm gonna make all this money. Like, I don't wish that on people, man. Like, mm. even what I did, that that focus and mastery for twenty years on professional bodybuilding, I was just lucky enough to have synergistically developed a skill set and maybe a thought process and some skills and an education that most people don't. And they, they get to, you know, our age, 35, 40, whatever it is, and they go, fuck. I have to learn yeah. everything. Everything everyone else is learning it at seventeen, and now you're forty, and you don't know basic life skills. Yeah. That's the problem with mastery, right? Because you spend so much time, get you know, moving the needle that much. It's and then all of a sudden, everything else in your life has to, like you said, five hours of kung fu a day. Like yeah. if you want to become a master, it's probably even more than well, that. it is. It yeah. is more than that. Yeah, and then what, right? And then what if something you realize, like yeah. I break my leg, or I'm, yeah. you know, like you're. And that's the same in bodybuilding. What I realized that very early, um, one injury, you're done. Yeah. Like so, in 2008, I just turned pro and I had a contract given to me. You know, they said, "Hey, man, we really want you to be our athlete." I threw out some absurd number of how much I wanted, and they said, "Done." And I was like, "Fuck, I'm set. This is great." Like, <laughs> I'm like, "This is amazing." Five, six months later, they pulled it, and I was like, <gasps> "You know, because you're living the lifestyle, right? You're like, oh, I'm gonna have this forever. I'm great." They pulled it. All yeah. of a sudden, you're like fuck, I can just do that? Yeah. Like, but, yep. I was like, oh, so now I need to have other things here. Just like, that was a hard lesson for me at the time, but at the same time, a beautiful lesson, right? Yeah. Like, now you need to realize that just because you're making money doesn't mean you have anything. Yeah, that's right. They've got you ultimately, you know, yeah. where they want you. I love what you so. said um, earlier on as well about um, you don't go to the gym because you have to, you go to the gym because you want to. Oh, yeah. I love that. The framing is so yeah. important. Well, it's a yeah. privilege. And, yeah. and that's the exact, that's exactly right, I think. And this is something we try and teach our guys here. You know, people come, they walk through the door and they mentality for some reason that they're here to beat up the body that they dislike with some hope that eventually they'll achieve something that they like. Well, let's talk about that, right? So I, I teach that, right? So when I grew up, I trained angry. We've all trained angry. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm pissed, I'm yeah. gonna crush it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. kill this workout today. Yeah. No, no you're not, right? So what I'm training my clients to do now is we're indoctrinating joy, happiness, and achievement. Yeah. So like when I'm going in to do my hardest set, I'm not thinking about who am I pissed off at, I'm not thinking about gritting my teeth and grinding it. I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm bringing a time into my life or back into my brain, into my nervous system when I was happy, when I was joyful, when I had a sense of achievement, I'm bringing that back into my nervous system and then going to do my set. So now I'm anchoring that feeling of joy, happiness, and achievement into my body every time I walk in the door. And that's ultimately what I teach my, my clients to do. The second you walk in the, the, door, the door of the gym, you're anchoring yourself to the person you're gonna become when you walk in. So yeah, who, is that, really. who is that person you're creating the second you walk in the door? Every time you pick up that weight, like I, I literally teach mindful training, right? So like when you physically reach down to pick up the weight, stop put your hand on it breathe and who are you becoming bring something into your nervous system it's not anger because then if, if i if i anchor anger guess what happens every time i pick up that weight or every time i contract that muscle at home or every time i look at that muscle anger, anger, anger. Yeah, that's exactly, oh yep. man i so, just got goosebumps that's like yep. exactly exactly what i wanted to talk about today uh where i'm doing this mindset coaching course that we're building out online and uh it's all about recognizing when you set a goal recognizing 
the person you want to become and really, really like getting a clear image of what that Getting person down. looks like, yeah. what that person acts like, how that person thinks. You know, right. I talk about the diet being more than just what you consume for energy and that and nourishment. The, the, the things you read, the things you watch, sure. the things you listen to, all of that. What does that person actually behave like on a day-to-day -day basis? And just when you, when you step into the gym, becoming that person now. And you have to feel it, right? Yeah. So, so thinking about it cerebrally is one thing, but the only way you make it reality is you feel it, yep. which is why I've become, I've become such an advocate of meditation because I can wake up in the morning and become any person I want just by bringing that emotion back into my body. What yep. a powerful thing, man. If it, like 10 minutes, right? Yep. And so my framing of 2019, so 2018 was, it was, it was a hard year for me. Not, not actually relative to most people, but like it was, it was a completely, it was a growth year for me. Yeah. Like learning a lot, you know, got rid of a lot of uh, staff, like trimmed all the fat in the business, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things happened that are new for me. Um, so my framing of 2000, so I, I felt like I was almost playing catch up. So my framing of 2019 is demand excellence. You know, yeah. that, that's my, for my business, online, and gym, demand excellence. So all my team, every, every meeting on Tuesday is taught, we're talking about how, how can you demand excellence? And maybe what does that mean to you? What does it mean to you to demand excellence in the gym? What does it mean to you to demand excellence in your relationships, in your finances, in your, your hygiene, in your personal care, in your diet? All of those things, what does it mean to you to demand excellence? And uh, to me, that's just like the highest standard of expectation for yourself, right? So what does that look like? And, and can you frame that every single morning when you wake up? And, you know, we're only, what, 15 days into the year now. And it's it's an amazing shift that can happen to your psychology yeah. almost overnight. And it takes a couple of days for you to really like lock it in because it takes a creating that constant awareness of what is aware what does um, excellence look like. Uh, but that's what I'm doing, and I encourage everybody to jump on jump on the Absolutely. kind of movement in 2019. What is excellence? And that's everything, right? In the way you speak, uh, in the way you communicate with people, your relationships, the way you love somebody, like. What, is, what does it look like to love somebody with, with all of your heart, with, with you know, conviction? And that stuff is um, you know, ultimately what's going to change people's lives. You know, yeah. The mask that I wear is this guy who's teaching people to build muscle. But ultimately, the reality is like, building muscle is bullshit. Build, building muscle is all this uh, external avatar, right? What we're all after, whether you want to build muscle or whether you're trying to make money, we're all after some degree of, of accomplishment. We're all after a feeling. We all want to feel great, right? We want significance. We want to feel fulfilled, and uh, if people can realize that, they can bypass the bullshit of you know that I have to be 30 pounds heavier, 30 kilos heavier to be. No, you don't. You're already there, man. You just have to realize that every day is your daily opportunity to be the best version of yourself, and that is the, f the changing of the, the framework that people need to create in their mind. It's mm, brilliant. I love yeah, it. Yeah, and it's and it's that idea of consistency and frequency that's going to produce those results like yep. people everybody wants it now and I mean th this is what I struggled with when I was in my 30s like you know you talk about the, the different person that you were like when I was in my 30s I was partying and doing drugs and drinking and, and training all the time but just wasting a lot of time sure. on the weekend and just getting nowhere really compared to where I am now and what I've achieved in, in my 30s uh, from making this big change and just really understanding that it's consistency and frequency it's not how fast you can sprint for a short period of time and then back it off and do something shit that that doesn't get you there and that whole idea of what you were just talking about that every day is an opportunity to be your best self and if you approach every day like that and create frequency in doing that and consistency of doing that over time yeah man, it's the 80 20 principle right it's yeah. like do do 20 percent of the things that you should think you should be doing like yeah, right. find those things that work best for you and it's different for everybody. I think we could probably make generalizations as to what everyone probably should be doing, but it's different for everybody, man. What fulfills me may not fulfill you. And find those three to five things that you need to do every day that make you feel fulfilled, make you feel accomplished, and allow you to bring that joy to the world. You know, the guy that we brought in here today, a great friend of mine, he's this amazing, we talked about manifesting, he's this amazing manifester because... Me? Yeah, me. Yeah. Um, and it's not anything miraculous that he's doing. The reason he manifests is because he's so full of joy. That when you when people are around him, they're like, "Fuck, that's infectious." I yeah. want to be like you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's so confident. He's so full of joy. He loves life, and people mm. go, Wh "Whatever that guy's going, I'm going to follow." Yeah. You know, yeah. like whatever he's eating, like I'm going to eat that. You know, because yeah. they're like, oh, so "There's something magic in the water." No, he just fucking creates joy in his life, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's the infectious um, 
reality of his life and the idea of manifesting like he brings people into his life every day and just because everyone else ultimately is, is trying to bring that joy into the life he's already got it and they're like i want that kool-aid mm. you know whatever that that is yeah. so uh, and whoever's after these things like realize it's just a matter of creating it in your mind yeah. first like bring it into your nervous system be a joyful person be a happy person be someone who can bring that feeling of achievement back at will whatever that is for you and and you, your life will change because yeah. pe the people that need to show up will show up, right? The people that want to help you will help will help you. So, uh, it's I mean, very interesting you say that. In th there's something you said something to me many years ago when we first met that completely changed my life. Um, you wouldn't have known this, but when we were out, uh, I think we went to the Ivy Pool Bar and we were chatting. I a couple of glasses. Bar, of Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was showing him the sights in Sydney. <laughs> and you said something. I was actually going through a really tough time at, at that point in my life. I'd broken up with a really long-term girlfriend, and and I was dealing with the psychology around that and everything. And there was one thing that you said to me that completely tra uh, changed my life, which was, I was talking about you know finding a new girlfriend, and you said, stop, don't don't look for don't look for a girlfriend. Make make yourself you know don't look for a ten out of ten. Make yourself a ten out of ten, and tens will will, will dive at you. You know, they'll flock. Yeah, they'll yeah. flock. And I, and I really yeah. took that to heart, and I went back because I had you know been on this quest to find. I was like you know just so wanted to settle down with the right person and find the right person, and and I completely backflipped and just went really I internally and started to analyze who I was as a person how I showed up and, and just worked on myself. And it's phenomenal the difference that that made to my life. Everything oh. had a snowballing effect to where we are now. I'm, I'm marrying a, the most beautiful woman in the world. Well, the funny thing and is, I've got is two beautiful children, you know, we've got a thriving business. It's just phenomenal. So that, that's one, one little comment and it's sort of in aligns with what you're saying there. You the know? funny thing is that Kalisha actually did the same exercise, but unfortunately she ended up with you. <laughs> So it uh, doesn't, doesn't always work. Out, doesn't always work out. Yeah, right. she so got a nine. There's, a, there's, <laughs> a, there's another lesson there, right? It's like, and I teach this to everybody. I sit down most mornings, maybe three or four days a week with my kids, and we talk about happiness. And, and you know, most, most kids, at, well, my kids are five and seven, think that happiness is a toy. Happiness is a cookie. Happiness is all these things outside of yourself. And, you know, I realize that human beings, and you guys get this, always are trying to we're trying to accomplish we're trying to acquire we're trying to transcend or we're trying to you know ascend this proverbial mountain right we want to accumulate muscle we want to accumulate money whatever it is we all want the things outside of ourselves for that instant hit of happiness it's bullshit man like happiness is not outside of yourself happiness is inside of yourself and when you turn the journey inside yeah. you realize that you don't need someone else in your life man to be happy to be fulfilled you're just yeah. looking for something outside of yourself just like a woman looks at a bag or a pair of shoes or a, a cookie what you know whatever like you're looking for those things outside of yourself to feel fulfilled and complete when the only way to feel fulfilled and complete is inside yeah. and like how do I make myself feel better more confident and realize that I'm everything I ever need and then that person shows up because she sees you're not seeking she wants that stability that you bring yeah. because gosh this guy's got his shit together he realizes how great he is he sees his inner light and then she'll see it too right yeah. if, she, if you can't see it she can't see it yeah. and that's the beauty of life man it's like stop looking outside of yourself you know it, it, i've got to the top of the world in the most egocentric sport known to man and uh, it's because i needed it i needed the punch in the face to realize that lesson you know there's so many times when i was standing there and like my fear and, and my inadequacy just grew the bigger and i got and the closer i got to the top of the world i'm just very blessed to have been able to you know many many people in life um, are, are chasing something and they never get it. So they're constant, yeah. they, have, they have to keep chasing. Like, oh gosh, once I get it, I'm gonna get there. Once I make the million dollars or the hundred million, whatever it is, once I get the muscle, it's fucking bullshit. Yeah. It doesn't matter, yeah. right? I got it. Like I got to the top of the world. I could have been Mr. very close to being Mr. Olympia. Um, doesn't do anything, man. Like just yeah. like making the millions won't, won't make, get you what you want. You know, you have to create it now, create the happiness now. And all those things will come just like that did, right? That's exactly yeah, right. That's it, man. It's, it's, it's always it's inside. It's interesting how the things that you want will be attracted to you. I mean, I know like the law of attraction, all that sort of thing. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of um, man yeah. manifestation than sitting and just meditating sure, and not no. doing anything, not taking no. action. But it is really quite phenomenal how when you really go inside and work on yourself and work on embedment and empowerment and and um uh just progress uh things just start to gravitate to you you know like the right. things that you want it's uh 
because you're complete, right? Yeah, you're that's like, exactly I, right. I'm so happy with the person I am. I'm so happy with the life that I have. Yeah. All of a sudden, those things around you just like start to get better. You're yeah. like, oh. Wow. Like, yeah, I'm so happy. Like, if you're not starting with your day with a gratitude practice, I don't fucking open my eyes yeah. until I've been grateful for three minutes. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, my daughter sleeps beside me many nights. Like, she'll crawl in bed with us. And, like, I, I can't possibly open my eyes until I reach over and I have the biggest, you know, kid smile on my face and go, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm the luckiest man in the world. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Like, in my, my and I teach that to my kids every day. It's like, I'm so thankful for, I'm so grateful for, and you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and the circle grows, you know? So you, I do three minutes, try doing that for three minutes and it's just like, I'm so thankful for this, I'm so thankful for this. I'm th so, so you end up getting, you know, 30 to 50 things in three minutes yep. and it's just like boom, 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 boom. And then your brain just goes, holy shit, like I've got so much around me awesome yeah rather than waking up and going fuck i gotta pay bills fuck i gotta check my email i got yeah. a job like and yes Big like jump. yes you yeah. get yes you have bills that means you're you're, you're accomplishing them you're able to pay them you know yeah. i have like a thirty thousand dollar a month net payroll like fuck that's a stressful thing but i'm yeah. like i get to that's a pretty cool thing that's like right. yeah so you'd be grateful for that stuff you know um yeah, i mean it, it's it's always just how you frame life, and, and we can create a great life, or we can create a stressful one. And there's always, don't get me wrong, I'm not perfect. It's always, a, it's always a, an ebb and flow, right? There's days yeah. where like, oh, I need to get back to my gratitude and meditation because yeah. things just go better, man. Things yeah. just go better. Well, you do, I do, I do exactly the same. I do it morning and evening actually because yeah. I find it's a really nice way to move into a parasympathetic state before you go to bed and yeah. switch off the stress mechanism. DHA production in the body gets rid of all the cortisol. You know how it works. Um, but uh, I also am a big fan of affirmations, uh, positive affirmation and, uh, and stuff like that in the morning. My morning routine is like starts with a uh, gratitude, freezing cold shower, just to really stimulate Seems the body. Me, really? Yeah yeah, 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 awesome. 30 then, seconds. I, I just stand there for like, it's only 30 seconds, but yeah, I'll stand yeah. there for 30 seconds. Like, yeah, getting, absolutely. Getting, I do exactly the same. I, I try and do I a minute. I just started doing the uh, cold showers really? a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, man, I love it. I can't live without it anymore. Yeah. So yeah. I think the first five seconds, it's actually that hard. Yeah. You, you, you go, wow, like that, and then you go, oh. And then when you get out, you're like, whoa. I, I it is yeah. summer, though, so we'll see what it's like in winter. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very different it's in winter. It's very different in very winter, different. yeah. But it's still so good. Like, it really is. And then I... I go out and I do my, um, uh, I only do five minutes of meditation. I'm still not a master at meditation by so any means. there's an app that's been life-changing for me, man. It's like, I've, I've meditated for 10 years, but 10 minutes, uh, Sam Harris, if you don't know who Sam Harris yep. is. Yeah, I know who so Sam his app is called Waking Up, and I'm not affiliated anyway. Like, it's just amazing. So to yep. do 10 minutes, and he's got 50 or 60, maybe more than that, um, daily 10-minute meditations. And he's just so great for a beginner at, teaching you how to actually get into a meditative state like yeah. telling you exactly what to focus on it's just and he's got a brilliant progression built in it's just perfect for yeah, someone yeah. waking up waking up sam yeah. harris if yeah. you don't know sam harris man like listeners sam yeah, harris is amazing, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one of the most brilliant people on the planet and that brings up a topic that i love to talk about and i think we talked about this when we went out to dinner that you know two people who i respect most on the planet or, uh, of the two people i respect most on the planet jordan peterson and sam harris both talk about how their relationships, the, the reason they're be able, they've been able to become so successful is they have a relationship with their wife, with their spouse, founded in honesty, grounded in honesty. And like they have made commitments and many people make a false commitment, but a commitment to themselves to only tell the truth. Yep. And there's so much power in that. Yeah. Um, like, gosh, living on, on a ground that's stable and you know is truthful is I think you know it's it's my next phase is like because you know we all tell little like little white lies or we, we, we soften things a little bit like imagine having a life that was grounded in truth yeah. exclusively and having the people all around you know that so I think that's challenging at first because people don't always want to hear the truth yeah. but then don't ask yeah you yeah. know I think they'll the, the right people will come to you who are like the only way you can get better yeah the only way you can get better so you have someone that's honest yeah if you have someone blowing smoke up your butt all the time you don't change yeah. you don't get better if you're always you know just be use jordan peterson's term like sw swiping the the dragon under the rug it's gonna grow it's gonna yeah, feed it right yeah, gonna yeah, grow. All, of, all of a sudden oh shit there's this huge problem but we didn't tell each other the truth on it because now it's this big and all of a sudden marriage fails right Honesty has to start with the small things like, hey, I didn't like that you did that. Like, hey, I, knew, I would appreciate it if you helped me with this. Like, 
those small communications that are the hard ones, that those are the ones we need to have. So have you read 12 Rules for Life? I haven't read 12 Rules for Life, but I've read... Um, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, I've read Crucial Conversations, which is um, which was a brilliant book. Who's that? Um, oh God, I think I might even have a copy of it up there on the shelf. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's a co- he's a co-writer. Oh. He's involved in this. Um, That's Patterson. Oh, Patterson, yeah. not Peterson. Oh, okay. Uh, this sure, is sure, it's, sure. it's basically just, very cool. just great book. Yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, but it's all about long. this. It's about really just opening communication, and I should just put that on the desk there. But uh, and exactly that, you know. Um, the, I mean, they, they they sort of talk a little bit on the physiological states that occur in the body when you are not not just bullshitting, but not telling the truth. There's a physical, it has a physical impact sure. on your body. It's not just, it's not just psychological, right. you know, and, it, and, and you, what so you I've, nev- I've never even considered the concept of, because I lie to Kalisha all the time, like it's just a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably do, but it's, it's not like harmful no, yeah. lies. Yeah, yeah, It's always right. like with a positive framing. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, yes, let's, yeah, just trying new, to appease, right? That bikini does look good, okay? I'm <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's always little stuff like that, yeah, right? It's yeah, like, yes, right. babe, I love these Brussels sprouts. God, they're fucking terrible, right? Like, <laughs> it has to be honesty because yeah. she can't get better, you can't get better if it's not grounded yeah. in honesty. Um, yeah, so talking about what happens in the nervous system, right? If I have a, if I have fear over a conversation with you and I don't have it, um, if you haven't read uh, The Body Keeps the Score, that's that's what they talk about. It's like, yep. so every time you have an emotion that exists that you don't express or mobilize with through movement or exercise, it's, it lives in your body. Like, yep. it, it, you develop an energy signature, so it lives in your nervous system. It creates a muscular, muscular tension pattern. So you see people that walk around this way. Yep. That's just a muscular signature that exists in your body. And every time that situation happens, it can make it worse and worse yep. and worse. Yep. So you, you just end up getting these pathologies in your body or you getting end up getting energy blockages so disease and illness happens and like that stuff's real, man. So yeah. when you can just have that conversation, when it's, when it's this big, if it pre- prevents it from getting this big in your body and then when it gets this big in your body, that's when like, <gasps> I have a heart attack or oh, I have anxiety like because I have so yeah. much angst over those little conversations that I didn't have with you then you have a blowout, right? Then yeah. you have to exp- you have to express, you have no choice. Yeah. Rather than just a little one like, yeah, it's gonna hurt a little bit, but at least it's not gonna be a blowout, right? Yeah. Those are the conversations we need to have as people, man. And I, again, I'm not perfect, man, like I'm learning, but it's something I, I, I'm really learning to express with my children because um, teaching your children, when they have that like guarded fear response, no, yeah. no, 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 come here. Yeah. Whatever it is, you have a safe environment to talk to me. I'm not gonna react, I'm not getting angry. Like let it out and then yep. teaching them to let that out as soon as they can becomes a habit you know then yep. they're expressive rather than like constricted right and you can see it like you're an, an analytical thinker like me i'll look at people's posture i'll look at people's body and i'll go ooh, Absolutely. i see that like you know people walk like this like yep. slight elevation i'm like yep. ooh, a really tight pelvis or like any type of dysfunction you're like so that's why movement is such a big part of life is expressing those emotions that are living in you getting getting rid of them feeling them yeah that's uh, a big part of, of, of life so you get it man you see somebody standing there you're like i'm not going anywhere near you whether it's conscious or otherwise like we, we all do it unconsciously right yeah. Yeah. you look at somebody's beautiful posture their beautiful physique we associate it with with a strong mind because their mind has to be strong for their body to look that way. Yeah. You know, if they have a weak mind, you can see this kind of stuff happening, or, or the arms don't swing as much, or the, you know, the sway changes in their movement. And that's why human beings unconsciously are so drawn to movement and exercise and athletes, because that is, is a strong representation of a strong mind. Yeah, I love um, a quote from Arnie. Um, he says, the thing about a good physique is that it's, it doesn't lie, and so when you when you walk around with a good physique, yep. everybody can Notes. see yep. that you have a good work ethic and that you're a disciplined person and that you do it because you can't look that way if you're not disciplined and you right. don't have a good work ethic. That was one of the coolest things about being a bodybuilder that people don't know, right? Is like you walk into any room, respect, yeah, yeah, instant, mm-hmm. like the, the perks. It's crazy. It's like you're it's like you're a celebrity, right? No matter if you are or not. Like you're getting bumped the first class, you're getting free meals, you're getting like anything you want. People just take care of you. It's a it's a conscious or unconscious, uh, just respect, right? People just and like it's not something I talk about a lot, but it's there. Like there's no question that bodybuilders get privileges that other people don't. So that's like uh, you know a side benefit, I guess, but that people don't think about. But 
it's certainly an amazing thing when you look at somebody who's got one of the best physiques in the world like they get shit that we that normal people don't yeah and that's a draw for people who you know lean toward bodybuilding it sometimes keeps them there um, but it's an interesting thing how, how human I beings are always just judging yeah. unconsciously this yeah. this is something that um, that I, sh I, I we should just um, I'd like to finish on anyway because um, not many professional bodybuilders that achieve the level that you did make a conscious decision to stop. It's usually a forced decision. Sure. Um, and I think that's a really big deal and it's something that you should be acknowledged for because, um, because of exactly what you just tipped on. Like it's a very hard lifestyle to give up, to just one day say, you know what, this isn't for me. I want to focus on these areas of my life and you give up a lot if it's not just the physical like size and the, the I mean there's certainly egos attached to that because yeah, you're like boom you know I'm one of the biggest yeah. and strongest people in the world the perks the lifestyle all of that sort of stuff and um, is that something that you would that you would care to go into a little oh, bit? Like, um, so first of all speaking to it like when I retired from bodybuilding I, I, I decided I want to lose a bunch of muscle like I'm gonna get small I want to get healthy so for my my decision to leave was health right like yep. I was my health was perfect but I want to keep it that way yeah um, and I was like okay I'm gonna lose a bunch of muscle and then I started to lose a bunch I mean I lost um, 60 pounds so yep. you know 25 almost 30 kilos and uh, felt great yep. and felt amazing but people were like oh what happened to him yeah so unconsciously I was like oh well like I need to start training more so I ended up putting another 10 kilos back on just yeah. like training hard again and it wasn't like I just went from training twice a week to training four times a week also bang because your yeah. body just remembers it yeah I'm um, so I'm still fighting that battle too man because you do lose that little bit of like immediate respect that you've that I've been used to unconsciously That's for right. 20 years yeah. yeah like okay so like truthfully now I want to get smaller you know but I realize now it's not necessarily even smaller it's just like I just want to be lean all the time yeah so that's the new quest is like yeah. how do you be live 8% body fat or less all year round you know yeah. it's just yeah. started for me January 1st like let's start winding this down and what does it look like to live at under 8% and not be neurotic about your health and fitness oh, sorry not be neurotic about your nutrition yeah like I don't want to be neurotic I don't want to be weighing shit anymore I did that for 20 years like yeah. how yeah. can I eat really really nutritious healthy foods in, in adequate amounts that nourishes my body and still have you know be lean enough to, to be to feel great yeah yeah um, so that's part but you know speaking to why or how I retired um, 2012 I was on top of the world man like uh, probably when I was here right yeah 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 um, I was you know just finished fourth place at the Arnold Classic qualified for the Mr. Olympia for, you know second time I qualified first time I'd done it and uh, you know people are like man keep going you're gonna be the next Mr. Olympia uh, and I, I believed it. Like uh, nothing in my mind was. Uh, that's the thing with my, me from day one is, is everyone goes, you can't do this, man. Like you don't have the genetics to be a bodybuilder. You know, I, uh, everything. And, and it, it, there wasn't even like an inkling of doubt in my mind yeah. that I was going to be a professional bodybuilder. There was never an inkling of doubt in my mind that I was going to be Mr. Olympia. I just, I will do whatever it takes to get there. Yeah. And I knew I was smart enough. I knew I had the, the people around me. I knew I had the work ethic. Like, whatever it's going to take, I'm going to do it. Uh, and I'm so blessed that I was sent an angel, right? I was sent my son yep. in 2012, and uh, he allowed me for the first time to have a little bit of perspective on life. Because in 2012, man, I was single-mindedly focused on being Mr. Olympia. Yep. Nothing else, like uh, anyone that came into my life, uh, it was literally the conversation like, this is who I am, this is what I do. If you can make that better, I would love for you to stay because I will make your life better. If you can't make that better, or if you can hold me back, there's the door. Yeah, it's literally that clear. And I wasn't ever malicious about it, but like you asked my wife, I had that conversation with her. I was like, if you can make this life better, fucking awesome. Like we didn't go on a date for eight months. Like we just went to the gym and came to my house. Like that's it. But she just, you know, <laughs> kind of like the conversation we had about business. Yeah. <laughs> well, he has to be right. Like yeah. this is who I am. This is what. I, anyways, if you want to be the best at something, you can't be sidetracked because you'll fail. Yeah. Uh, and then she fell pregnant. We talked about it, and. Um, my life changed, you know. Yeah. Um, nothing else in the world, literally nothing else in the world, short of having a child, would have pulled me off track. And even after the first one, I was like, I can still do this. Like, I can still be Mr. Olympia. I can do that with his son, right? Yeah. Um, and then did the Olympia. I did a guest posing in Hawaii. My wife got pregnant again, and uh, girlfriend, now wife. Um, I was like, okay, you know, two kids. Yeah. This is your sign, man. I, and and I, said, I don't know if I said this to you, but like the instant I held my daughter. I was done. Yeah, that was really. 2013 in July. I was done. 
I had this rush of emotion. So I, I you know, briefly mentioned my childhood, and I don't want to go into that stuff, but I, I, I never felt loved as a child. Like, I didn't know what love was. And the instant I had my daughter, I realized what unconditional love was. Yeah. Um, and I no longer felt inadequate. I no longer felt like I needed to do bodybuilding. I no longer, no longer felt like I could be the selfish person anymore. Yeah. So that's really where it started, man. And I still continue to compete for two and a half years after that, but only because... I just didn't want to leave with regrets, yeah. um, and, and I, I you know, made up my mind that I was going to retire at 35. I made up my mind before I'd ever got my pro card that I was going to retire at 35, because um, I knew that once you start pushing it as a pro, like you're hitting those top levels and you're starting to win shows and really place, you, you've really got a five-year shelf life of health. Yeah. Beyond that, you could still, I could have pushed for another five years, but my health would have started to deteriorate. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So once I hit 30, I was like, all right, let's go. 35, I'm done. And that's just literally the way it worked. And, and I felt so great about uh, leaving bodybuilding because my, my greater purpose was being the best dad in the world and creating an amazing business where I could impact other people. And uh, you know, it's been easy. People ask me if I want to go back. It doesn't even cross my mind, man. Yeah. And intentionally in 2016, I did five shows because I was like, I want to I let it all, I want to get it all out, man. Yeah, I want to get yeah, it all out, yeah. do as many as I can, know that I've left my best, play with some things, experiment with some things, learn some things so I can pass on the wisdom. And that was it, man. And it was, I'm, I'm completely okay. I, I will never go back to professional bodybuilding. Yeah. I just don't need it anymore. Like, I, I'm, I don't have that internal need to, to be externally validated. It's just not there. Yeah. So, um, and now you've got so much time for calisthenics. Yeah, man, let's get some mobility. <laughs> Sorry if that was a long-winded answer. No, that was yeah. absolutely no, man, awesome. That's awesome. Um, look, in, in all honesty, this is the thing. I, I, you, you won so much respect from me just for the sheer fact that you made the decision to do it, and it's hard to step away from something like that, and I respect that immensely. I was at my peak, man. I was getting better. This right? is exactly right. Yeah, I was continuously know? getting better, but I lost that purpose. You know, when, when, I go in, when I would go into the gym in 2012 and prior, I had a purpose. Like yeah. I knew I was going to be Mr. Olympia, and I was like, I was just driven. I'd run through walls, right? Yeah. And after having my children, I'd go to the gym and go, Why am I here? I'd so much rather be at home loving them. Like, yeah. Why am I here? I would yeah. say, like, I and I opened a palace, right? I opened a gym, which is, you know, at the yeah. time was considered one of the best, maybe still is one of the best gyms in the world. And I built it to my specifications. Like every piece in there was exactly what I wanted. Everything was designed the way I wanted. Yeah. And by the time it was open my heart wasn't in it man like how can you walk to the gym and go well how's even gonna get home yeah you know and i built the gym intentionally with a really big daycare so i could bring my kids i'm like well i'm not gonna go like once i had, had built like my my idea was big daycare bring the kids to the gym put them in the daycare go train yeah right so you're gonna go out there and squat while they're your little babies are in the next room like not gonna happen focus yeah, wise yeah, right yeah. like not gonna happen so that yeah. i think they've been it's in hard. oh it's impossible <laughs> yeah, so I was like, forget it. You know, uh, I don't need this anymore. So yeah. let's build something else that's great. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And that is your MI40 Nation and the MI40 program. Um, yeah. What else are you working on at the moment? I'm doing a bunch of things. So the whole half of 2000, first half of 2019, I'm going to be on the road doing seminars. Yeah. Um, we're basically doing a world tour, myself and Dr. Jordan Shallow. Um, Who's an insanely smart guy, by the way. If you don't know of him, look him up. I had a conversation for about 15 minutes out there, and we could have sat there chatting all day. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so we're just doing the world tour for the first half until basically mid-June. Um, and then the second half of the year, we're finishing my book. So I started a book the last half of last year. Um, just all these integrated pieces, you know, of like how to build your greatest body, but all the other things that goes into living a healthy, holistic life while building the body of your dreams. and. Yep. Uh, I think people need to know that stuff. Like, it doesn't have to be unhealthy. It doesn't need to be um, anchored in, in negative emotions. And I think yeah. I'd love to be the person who becomes a spokesperson for that, right? It's yeah. like, it can be a joyful process. Like, it should be a joyful process. Your body is a gift. Yeah. So enjoy this gift. Embrace the gift. So that's happening. Uh, and we've got, so I'm launching muscleintelligence.com. That's kind of the business. Um, I've got a podcast that's relatively popular. Most people have heard of it at this point in the fitness industry. Um, so previ previously called Muscle Expert, we're just going to shift. They call Muscle Intelligence because yep. that's the business. Yep. And it's just providing an intelligent approach to build your greatest body, man, and, yeah. and, and all those pieces that go into it, right? All the, the talking about the, the movements and talking about mobility and talking about autonomic nervous system and sleep and nutrition and, and environment and mindset and all those things going into this beautiful uh, synergy of being able to ultimately interview the world's most epic humans, yeah. which is just a blessing, right? Like yeah, how absolutely. awesome is it to be able to call up the smartest people in the world and go, hey man, you want to 
chat for 90 minutes like yeah. fuck yeah yeah it's just like it's like a phd in, in fitness and mindset yeah. you know yeah. so that's brilliant yeah it's awesome awesome man well look um it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today and i'm sure that uh is going to be busy over the next week creating a lot of insightful pieces of content that we can deliver on every single platform around the world <laughs> no man it's yeah. it's just been amazing Thanks, thank you so much for giving us i appreciate time. you guys having me it's just worked out perfectly right i love that yeah. you guys made some time and uh, just happened to be in town and glad, grateful to get a workout in yeah, and, and reconnect and i strongly you know no endorsement from the or no, no request from these guys but i strongly require strongly advise you guys to get out there and try it because um these programs are amazing and i think it's in addition to everyone's program. The beautiful thing is, at least the way I see it, you may not be asking everybody to change the way they train. Like, just keep doing what you're doing, but add this to it as an adjunct, yeah. at least to start, right? Yeah, like, like yeah, try this 15-minute program. It's amazing. Like, I felt amazing. My joints feel amazing. My mobility feels better. My nervous system feels turned on. My brain feels turned on. And that's something that most people would kill for. And if you can do that in 15 minutes a day and then, you know, add that to your daily routine. For me, it seems like it'd be a great synergy. And I said this to you on the gym floor. Like I wake up in the morning, I do my gratitude, I do my meditation, and then I move. So that may, be, that may be walking, that may be yoga, that may be whatever. But if I can add this 15 to 30 minute piece in there where like just all I need is like some bands and maybe a, a wooden dowel, like, yeah. yes, cool, sign me up, dude. Right. Yes, awesome. awesome. Fantastic. All right. Well, until next time, everyone, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys later. Yeah. Awesome. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.